Welcome to Election Profit Makers. This is your guide to and money on political outcomes and current events. My name is David, and I'm joined on the line by my co-host, John. Hey, buddy. Did you get the symbolism I was doing with my slide whistle? That was slide whistle symbolism. Yeah. Winning and losing money. Up and down. Which sounds like this. That's when you win money on Predicted, and then when you lose money on Predicted, it sounds like this. Right? <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if they had that sound effect when you <laughs> sold something for a loss and it went? I wish real banks did that because that would make it so fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Why don't bank websites have more fun sound effects? Explosions and stuff. That's a great Ride idea. Ride the Ferris actually. wheel. Remember that? Um, what video game was? Or it was a pinball machine. Oh, that was the best pinball machine. It would say, Ride the Ferris wheel. God damn. What was that? It was like um, a boardwalk themed. <laughs> pinball machine they had it at the unc student union when we used to go to the unc student union to play pinball machines and play pool bowl i'm sure some pinball person will know what i'm talking about what is the pinball machine where he says ride the ferris wheel that's what bank websites should sound like they should sound like like um like slot machines slot machines are basically banks with sound effects you put money in and sometimes money comes out just like a bank but they have so many flashing lights and sound effects Hmm. Much to consider, friends. Much to consider, as always, as we look around the world. Let's turn our attention, John, right away to the predictive portfolios that we find uh, under our care. Everyone remembers that there was a New Hampshire Republican primary last week. We did a special Patreon episode about it the next day. We didn't want to wait a whole week to have to discuss it. Suffice it to say that my winning streak of losing money continues unabated. Kid Midas lost everything he had sunk into Nikki Haley, somehow winning that primary. In fact, former President Donald J. Trump, the famous criminal, walked away with it. However, Nikki Haley has not yet dropped out and is finally bringing the heat to former President Donald J. Trump, the famous criminal. She is now criticizing him openly and getting headlines that Chris Christie could have only fantasized about (laughs) in his wettest of wet dreams as he ran for the Republican nomination. And now on the horizon, on February 24th, we have another primary. South Carolina, the state that Nikki Haley used to govern as governor. There is, John, as of yet, no predicted market for this primary. Amazingly, we can assume Trump will dominate. Nikki Haley will be humiliated on her home soil. And then you and I had a disagreement, John, about what would happen next. You said, I think, that she would drop out after South Carolina. At the time, I thought she would drop out after the Virgin Islands primary, which is on February 8th. There's four delegates up for grabs on the Virgin Islands. Why would she drop out after that primary? She would drop out before South Carolina to spare herself. Which is what I originally said. Yeah, that's true. I mean, these predictions, in the end, we say everything. (laughs) That's how we cover cover our haunches. But I mean, that's how... Predictions change, you know. Predictions change and humans change. The only thing that stays the same is the rock solid sterling brand of election profit makers. You and I bet twenty dollars, John. So don't don't forget about that, okay? I had already forgotten. In fact, sometimes I forget what I even predicted. That's fine. So you can okay. write it down in your day diary. Yeah, I'll do, that. do it. Write it I'll down. Write it down in my in my notes app. So let me check predict it because as of last night when I was preparing this document, there was no South Carolina uh, primary market. And it looks like there still is not a South Carolina primary market. I guess we still have a couple weeks until this. Or no, what is it? February 24th. We have almost an entire month. Why am I so eager for the South Carolina market? Here's what I want to ask you, John. Let's say Nikki Haley continues to ding Donald Trump. 
And this is driving Donald Trump very obviously crazy that she has not dropped out. Right. Is there a chance that somehow Ted Cruz, after Nikki Haley has done the dirty work, Ted Cruz could actually be venal enough to jump back into the race? Doesn't that just seem like Ted? Not Ted, Ted Cruz? Cruz. What's his name? The other one. The Ted Cruz of Florida. Uh, yeah, I already DeSantis. forgotten this fucker's name. Yeah. Ron DeSantis. Yeah. 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 No, no, that's not going to happen. But here's the thing, John. Are you ready for a great twist? I kind of think it could happen because it does feel like a very Ron DeSantis move that he's so cowardly he drops out of the race. And then let's say Nikki Haley beats up on Trump. And then let's say something crazy happens. Trump gets arrested for, you know, whatever. Crimes against cosmetology <laughs> because of his orange. Oh. That's a that's a good bumper sticker. We'll talk about bumper <laughs> stickers good. in a minute, but let's 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 remember that's that for bumper one. stickers. Okay. <laughs> and then Ron DeSantis, right. the coward, jumps back in to exploit. Right. Now, you say that couldn't happen, but a co- well, it can't happen because Trump being arrested would have no effect whatsoever on his polling. In fact, it would increase his polling. Okay, maybe that's true. But to continue my thought, I had another far-fetched idea a couple of weeks ago, maybe one or two weeks ago, and I think you might have poo-pooed it a little. And I think I'm sure some of our listeners quit listening to the episode in disgust when I proposed it. I had said, what are the odds that Donald Trump picks RFK Jr. as his running mate? Remember when I said that? Wasn't that so far-fetched and crazy? Who other than Kid Midas the Maniac would ever be stupid enough to think that there was any possible connection or conversation between the Trump camp and the Robert F. Kennedy Jr. camp? Well, John, <laughs> total vindication is a delightful feeling I have not yet tired of. The New York Post reported okay. that indeed the Trump campaign had reached out to RFK Jr.'s people about a potential vice presidential seat on the ticket until RFK decided to run on his own. I read about this in multiple newspapers, but then USA Today, the famous newspaper, did an update. They say, don't bet on former President Donald Trump choosing RFK Jr. as his running mate. The Trump campaign made clear Sunday that Kennedy is not on their short list of vice presidential picks and denied reports of alleged overtures to the independent presidential candidate. So it never happened. So you're going to say because the Trump camp because the Trump campaign has denied it happened. That's that's that. I <laughs> that mean, proves it happened. John. That means it proves I did. Oh, oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, you're right. absolutely. Yeah. It totally yeah. happened. All right. And I'm mentioning that so that I can mention this. Don't dismiss my cockamamie theories out of hand, because sometimes we come to find out that they have indeed almost come to pass. So, yes, I say, perhaps Ron DeSantis will re-enter the presidential race. I'm just putting that out there. Okay. And we'll see what happens. Okay. And and like we said last week, just because you've suspended your campaign doesn't mean that you, yeah can't unsuspend it. So yes, it could it could happen. That's exactly right. right. Thank you. All right. So speaking of Nikki Haley and Donald Trump, Nikki Haley, who will win the 2024 Republican presidential nomination? Nikki Haley currently trading at seven cents. John, should I do it? No, no. Why not wait? Wait until what? He just got dinged. I don't know. Wait, Wait until she gets completely killed in South Carolina. And then buy for a penny. Yeah. Okay, that's good. All right, I'm going to do that. I'm going to put in a buy order at two cents. What do you think about that? And I'm going to buy at 5,000 shares. I'm going to buy. Yeah, that's going to get filled 10 minutes after she drops out. (laughs) 
<laughs> you'd be like, oh, I bought them. I'm going to put in five. I'm going to put in an order for 500 shares at two cents that Nikki okay. Haley is going to be the Republican nominee. And I am once again going to be so very rich. And you will all be invited to drink pink champagne on my yacht off the coast of mm-hmm. Easter Island. All right. There was a verdict, a verdict in the E. Jean Carroll trial, and uh, Trump has to pay $83.3 million. Will he ever pay that? Yeah, I think, he, I think he will pay that. I was reading about it this morning, about what the trial was actually like, and he walked out in the middle of it. Did you know that? He yeah. Walked, they said he, he got pretty, stormed out. Yeah, he was pretty emotional. And then afterwards, <laughs> of course, he was complaining and ranting and raving. He really is emotional, isn't he? He's a really emotional person. God you damn. Think? Yeah. Yeah. Trump is really not a stoic. He truly is not. No. <laughs> no. What kind of Greek philosophy is Donald Trump the embodiment? Is he an Epicurean? Mm. Mm. Much to consider. So I just want to say that the verdict seems to have worked uh, in him keeping Carol's name out of his mouth. He finally learned his lesson? Well, yeah. I mean, it's $83 million. $83.3 million. It's point three, right. Which they say they came up with that figure based on the fact that he bragged that he had $400 million in cash. So they used that to come up with that figure. The jury did. Yep. They really got him on the punitive damages, I think. Yeah. It was um, 16.3 in compensatory damages and $65 million in punitive damages. Meanwhile, we got Rudy Giuliani, America's mayor. And what does he owe? Oh, he owes, I think it's $500. Yeah, it's $500. It's like $170 million. <laughs> yeah, he, that's going to got to come down because that's a lot. It's so much money. It's so much but money. But you know what's crazier? I think Jeff Bezos has spent more money on a boat. Doesn't he have some new boat that is like worth like half a billion dollars or something? And he just had his 60th birthday and Ivanka Trump was there. Who invites Ivanka Trump to their birthday party in this day and age? I mean, what on earth is to be gained from that? Why would Jeff Bezos or his staff invite Ivanka Trump to his birthday? Yeah, that's weird. It's really weird, right? Where'd you get this information? I saw it on a gossip website. Don't look at me like that. But you always say that, you know, like I follow the New York Post and you're like, you should follow the Post or full of crap. And I'm like, you need to follow everything. I've literally never said that in my life. Yes, you have. That they're full of crap. And then you came out. The first thing that you said today was, according to this report in the New York Post. Right. Donald well, it Trump. confirms my priors. So the source oh, okay. becomes legitimate when it when it flatters my sense of the world or contributes it to, to it. All right. But seriously, if you're Jeff Bezos, he's the, he's the head of Amazon, the famous company. What is to be gained by having Ivanka Trump at your birthday party? Let's game this out. What What is to be lost? Who cares? Well, I yeah, I guess that's true. That's it. Whenever you drop a who's yeah. cares in the middle of my our conversations, I get really I have to say my dick shrivels up and gets so tiny like it's Do I do that a lot? You did it. You well, the other week when I was chastising you about um Twitter, you said nothing it doesn't matter. You said nothing matters. Nothing matters is no, the same as I'm who just, cares. I know. But what's no. interesting is I know that's not you. I know you care. I know things matter. I just think that people are addicted to drama and outrage. God damn. <laughs> and they, 
I mean, the fact that anybody. John would... Kimball is sitting here telling me that people are addicted to drama. Right. You, right. you think I. <laughs> you get emotional over fucking weather maps of storms and stay up for 40 hours and. Uh, 40 hours straight tracking some fucking typhoon off the those, coast those of North are, Carolina. Those are important Addicted killers. to drama. They're not even human, right. the no. things you're into. You're into drama that doesn't even involve humans. You're into drama <laughs> okay. that involves like cold and warm and cold pressure systems. You're, you're going to tell me I'm addicted to drama? I'm just saying. I'm not I'm not one of these people that, that thinks that – I'm not one of these people that's like, no, cancel culture is really bad. But I one thing I do think that's sort of adjacent to cancel culture is just – drama drama culture and piling on and just getting extremely upset that this guy did something which was bad but also everyone else has done that bad thing too and it's just like how can i live that way i don't know if it's an age thing you know maybe i'm just older now yeah i think as you age you probably hmm and you you just can't get as fired up Maybe. But anyway, back back to Ivanka. That boy does that piss me off that no, he shut invited up. her. You you're so happy. And that why Jeff do you Be- think he you're did? You're so happy Jeff Bezos invited we sh- Ivanka. We should really analyze why okay, he would have done we'll that. Move, what okay, you, what, I guess I'm an idiot. Let's move on to their well, next Well, I mean, topic. in all seriousness, maybe he thinks that there's a possibility that Donald Trump is gonna win and then he'll just have an inside with, with oh, Ivanka. Right. Okay. All right. Good segment. Or maybe he just doesn't care. Okay, moving on. There's a big article in the New York Times about black church leaders being frustrated with Biden about Israel. Yeah, man. What the fuck is going to happen with all this? This is not going away. My theory was that this would be long gone by like I thought it would be I thought it would be over. It'll be over by the election for sure. But there's no question that it's going to have some lasting damage. Yeah. I think Biden really fucked up. I think he fucked up. I think he was too he's too beholden to the the romanticized version of Israel that he that he has because he lived through the 20th century, you know? Right, right. It's but when you look at the numbers world. of young people, they they have that romanticized version of Israel. They're pretty happy with Israel. Yeah, they're liking Israel a lot. Because uh, Israel's being pretty nice. Yeah. No, it's well. That was a very interesting article. This article was in a newspaper called the New York Times. Black pastors and Joe Biden and the congregations being so frustrated with his positions on Israel at risk of losing some not inconsiderable portion of the bedrock support of the Democratic Party, black Americans. More than 1,000 black pastors representing hundreds of thousands of congregants nationwide have issued a demand for the Biden administration to push for a ceasefire. A ceasefire. They're ceasing firing. They've been ceasing firing. What's going to happen, John? I don't know. It's crazy. I don't know. I really didn't. I don't know if I expected it to go on this long. I didn't either. But Netanyahu is truly is truly in YOLO mode. Yeah, it's bad. Um, I saw some report that, um, you know, for a while there, they we're having trouble coming up with reliable data because of the Gazan Health Authority or whatever it's called. You know, they believe weren't believing their numbers because it's obviously Hamas controlled the the 
the government there, but um, that the IDF is now saying, we have no idea what's going on on the ground. We actually do do believe their numbers now. Um, we have no reason to doubt them. Obviously, don't want Biden to lose, but I want him to be so scared and to wake up in the middle of the night and be like, oh, shit, I really fucked up with Israel. What the fuck, guys? And then I want him to like panic and call all these emergency meetings. That's the sweet spot for me. Yeah. I want him to be to suddenly realize to get really scared and not just scared in a selfish way politically like, oh, I might lose the election. But like, oh, shit, this is I am not in step the future of this party. And then he'll do some profound self-examination or something and really reconsider his relationship with Netanyahu and his feelings about Palestinians and all that kind of stuff. What, what do you think the odds are that that happens? One hundred percent. And I wish there was a predicted market. I would put all my money into it. The latest Rasmussen reports polling on uh, Biden's approval has him at 46% approval, which is the highest it's been since October. So things are looking up for Biden, but that's probably just because of the economy. Yeah, the economy is about to be great. Yeah, the economy is I, – I really thought I – you know, I said a few weeks ago that I thought Biden had bottomed out and maybe he has. Consumer confidence hits the highest point in years. It's its highest since the end of 2021. That's good. So let me ask you this, John. Why then, when I go to predict it and I look at who the 2024 presidential election winner is, why are Biden and Trump tied at 47 cents? Trump is ahead in, in a lot of the polling. So the fact that they're tied, I consider that a decent um, Should I buy more Biden shares? Data point. No, you don't need to buy any of this stuff right now. Just <clears throat> why are you so against me having fun and and just and 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 chasing the dragon? Okay, John, we have to have fun. If we're having fun, our listeners are having fun. That's the key to podcasting. You wouldn't believe some of the podcasts that are popular. Guys sit around talking about fucking French notebook paper, but they have so much fun that they get thirty thousand dollars a month on Patreon because they're having fun. Guys eat bugs, probably. You know, right. girls talking fun. about their favorite laser printers from the 1990s. Then you go to their Patreon. You're like, surely no one could be listening to this. One hundred sixty thousand dollars a month on Patreon. What in the fuck? Because they're having fun. You and I sit around and crunch these numbers and we listen to the numbers and we're cold and calculating and we're not having enough fun. So, John, can we have fun for once? So Biden is at his highest point here on Predicted at 48. Now we're having fun. Yep. At his, his highest point in the last 30 days. I mean, yeah, he's high, he, he's at his highest point in the last 90 days. You're right. You're right. He was at a low of about 36 cents in late November. Trump is just kind of remaining steady. Well, he had a huge jump from 42 to 48 in January. What was that? Was that the was that the Carroll verdict? No, uh, it was probably like the celebration of January 6th. <laughs> J6 J6 hostages celebrated marked the anniversary by buying Trump shares on predicted right. with their one phone call. <laughs> see, now we're having fun, right? When you hear that sound then you know we're having fun. So see, you could have gotten Biden at 37 cents a share. And I didn't because you probably counseled me to not do it. Yeah, you don't you don't want to buy him at this price. This price is Okay, it's too too high. It's way too high. Even even if Trump is the nominee. Yeah, this is way this is way too high. So we'll wait. Yeah. 
We'll watch and wait and whistle. Who are we backing for Trump's vice president? I'm backing Tim Scott. I think I've already bought shares in Tim Scott. Okay. I think it will be Elise Stefanik, but I'm backing Tim Scott. I can't believe it. She seems like such a lightweight. I think it's Gnome, but apparently she had, you know, there's rumors that she had a relationship with Corey Lewandowski. Um, Christy Gnome currently trading at 18 cents. My man, Tim Scott at 13. Elise Stefanik leading the field at 23 cents. Vivek Ramaswamy at 13. Um, that's not happening. No. That must be a bunch of tech idiot bros. Yeah. What about, I thought of this last night, and actually I posted it on the Discord. What about Alina Haba? His lawyer? His, his lawyer, who just that, lost him $83 million. That would I mean, be yeah, pretty, it's ridiculous. That would be very interesting, but I could see it happening. Yeah, why not? Right? Yeah. Huh. That would be like when George Bush, when George Bush. Oh, he nominated what's her name for the Harriet Supreme Court? Myers. What was her? Was it Harriet Myers? Yeah. Yeah. He wanted her to be on the Supreme Court and she was like, what, the, like the family attorney or something? It wasn't yeah. it wasn't that bad, but it was something like what? Yeah. Well, it's like ju- it's like uh, Trump with Cannon with that judge. What's her name? Cannon, who wrote the paper about flamenco. Remember, she's mm-hmm. hooking him up. She's definitely hooking him up. Yeah, I don't know what's going on there. Jack Smith probably – do you think Jack Smith's very frustrated with that judge? And is he gnashing his teeth and pulling his hair out very much about this dumb judge? Yeah, I can't even follow it. John, are my brother, after sending you the world's greatest Christmas gift, which was a motivational water bottle. Which I have right here. Let me take a look at it. Yeah, you have to hold it up with two hands. Look at that. I Look see some it. water it's, sloshing around. I'm already it. down. I'm already at 3 p.m. So you're right I mean, on top. I'm yeah. right on time. You're right on schedule. What's it say at 3 p.m.? Is there a motivational phrase? It says halfway there. Halfway there, bro. Peter followed up the water bottle by sending us an important bit of journalism from the New York Times. It's an article about how much water you're supposed to drink. Okay. Mm-hmm. Here's what the article says. I'm going to read this whole thing to you, John. This is going to be shocking to me. If you're not sipping from a 64-ounce Stanley cup all day, are you even alive? Hydration is once again having a moment. TikTok videos with the hashtag water talk hashtag now have over 1 billion views. Whether you're drinking from a 10 <laughs> whether you're drinking from a trendly tumbler or a plain old glass. <laughs> got out if I was drinking from a plain old glass, I would feel like such a piece of shit after I got called out by the New York <laughs> Times. <laughs> If whether you're drinking from a trendy from a trendy tumbler or a plain old glass, there's no one size fits all to how much water you should drink in a day. Okay. The closest <laughs> thing the United States has to a water consumption recommendation comes from the National Academy of Medicine, which in 2004 reported that healthy men usually stay adequately hydrated when they drink at least 3 liters, nearly 13 cups of water per day. So how does that translate to ounces? Fluid ounces. Let me finish reading it. Women are typically hydrated when they drink at least 2.2 liters. That's just over nine cups per day, not including the water they consume via food. But these guidelines should not be taken as gospel, according to experts. 
Most people, even if they start below that recommendation, will be just fine, said Dr. Siddharth P. Shah, a nephrologist at the Hospital of the University of Pennsylvania, who specializes in hydration and electrolyte balance. Over the course of a life, a person's water needs change. Typically with age, people lose muscle and gain fat. Because fat contains less water than muscle, people generally need to consume less water with age to maintain healthy tissues. Look at how happy you are. You're about to spit out your water. That's why we don't need as much water now. That's why you have suddenly turned against all these young people with their stupid water bottles and you say that they always need water. You're jealous of their youth. You're jealous, John, of their thirst right. because some part of you realizes you are turning to dust, right? Yeah. I'm no longer 8% body fat. Exactly. Like these kids. And I think on some level that must bother you. You recognize that the fact that you're not as thirsty, it's because more of you is dust. You're inching towards the grave where you will be drier than you've ever been because you'll be a pile of ash, assuming you're cremated. But in the meantime, why don't we, why don't we rage against the dying of the light by drinking the recommended 13 cups of water per day with our plain old, in our plain old glass? God, it was so harsh. I'm doing it, but this thing spills. What? Yeah. What do you mean it spills? Because you're glugging it too hard? No. If, you, if it just like falls over in the car, spills. D did not come with the – did my brother send you a water bottle that doesn't have a top? No, but it's got a straw sticking out. But I imagine the Stanley Cup is the same way. I, I don't know. Stanley Cup, for those of you who don't know, is this new type of therm – I think it's actually an old type of thermos or something that uh, all of a sudden it's just like one of those lightning in a bottle things. Now it's like the must-have item. Right. And all over TikTok on Water Talk, people are talking about their Stanley Cups. Me, yeah. I prefer to drink my water out of a plain old glass like the piece of shit I am. <laughs> John, let's turn our attention to this week's mailbag. All right. We have a question from a listener named John. John writes, I wonder if John has taken into consideration viewability in his skyline rankings. After all, what good is a skyline if it can't be viewed well, or if it can only be viewed well in photographs? Hmm. I live in Chicago, and while we have a gorgeous skyline, it is only truly awesome from a few places in the city. Obviously, if you're on Lake Michigan and you're able to take in the skyline from there, the view is extraordinary. Same if you're approaching the skyline from the south up Lakeshore Drive. The skyline fills your entire view. But if you're approaching from the west, brother, you'd better buckle in for some disappointment. Because the skyline from the Eisenhower Expressway is nothing, John concludes, but a big pile of doo-doo. Hmm. Well, John, thanks for your letter, first of all. I think that... I think that we have sort of touched on this earlier, and I think there are two different things when you are ranking skylines. I think we have talked about skyline approaches and I and and certain cities that have great approaches. Uh, Pittsburgh out of the, the Fort Pitt Tunnel, uh, Cincinnati from the south, Richmond, Virginia coming north on I-95, things like that. Uh, but not all of these cities necessarily rank great in the analytics department in terms of you know, size or maybe the architecture, articulation of how the buildings all work together. But I don't ding a skyline for having the ability not to see it in certain places because because New York City, there there are no great skyline views of New York City unless you are over in, you know, Jersey City or uh, 
parts. Of, it's it's when you have a huge skyline, you're right in the middle. It's hard to see it. So some of the best skylines have some of the harder views. You, David, you're looking at me like you're skeptical. I am skeptical because when we talk all this talk about skylines that we've been doing off and on for the last three thousand years, talking about skylines, I guess I've never I've never thought to ask a simple question, which is are skylines designed or are they accidental? Do people design buildings with an eye towards how they will contribute to the overall skyline? Or is a skyline like a tree canopy where it's kind of like, well, that's just how it turned out. All these buildings grew no, up and now we have this skyline. Because, John, little, John, I'm not done. Okay. All right. It's a little above. If skylines are designed, if there is a deliberate aesthetic project to a city's skyline, then I think you can ding it if there's no vantage point from which it can be viewed to its best advantage. You follow me, son? Yeah, I'm following you. But, you know, some some places, just the topography of the area makes it difficult to see it from numerous uh, specific angles. I mean, I don't know. I, I have a lot of people that talk about, you know, I'm an expert on the Charlotte skyline. You know that. So I have a lot of people that say, oh, I see the Charlotte skyline. I fly into Charlotte all the time. It's one of the world's largest airports. They fly it and they're like, the skyline doesn't it doesn't really look that impressive to me. And I would completely agree with them because the skyline from the angle from the airport sucks. It just it just sucks. It's just not great. And that could be that it's an immature skyline and it hasn't fully developed in multiple ways. Some some cities just have so many buildings that no matter which angle you're looking, it's going to look great. So what's the best angle to view the Charlotte skyline? Directly from the north and directly from the south. Okay. And actually, Charlotte, most of it, probably eighty percent of the the angles are good. Mm. But that twenty percent wedge from the airport is the worst. The buildings are just sort of all stacked on top of each other, and you're like, "Oh, I only see like three buildings," but that's because they're all behind one another. To answer John's question, you have obviously considered viewability when ranking skylines. Absolutely. What are the skylines that look the best from every angle? You know what I'm talking about? Doesn't matter what direction you're approaching. Doesn't matter if you're coming by airplane, boat, Amtrak, <sighs> the skyline just looks terrific. I mean, it's really only it's really only big skylines like Toronto and um I mean, I think Vancouver looks. It's not a tall skyline, but it's really dense. Um Obviously, Chicago, New York. Well, this guy's saying Chicago looks like a pile of, let me quote, what did he write? His language was very evocative. He said it looked like nothing but a big pile of doo-doo if you approach from the Eisenhower Expressway. I, I wish I knew where that was so I could look at it. it just It's just hard for me to believe that. Mm, because Chicago is so strong. But, you know, just like people, we all have our good sides and our bad here sides. We, here so we go. You, here we go. So you you just want to have one particularly great angle of your face or body or whatever, and you have that with skylines as well. You, you want know? to do that little thing where you purse your lips a little, and then you kind of look up into the camera so that you lose your neck waddle, and then you kind of twist at the hip to make your waist look a little a little more slender, and that makes your shoulders look wider. I'm talking about secrets for men right now. This is what you got. This oh, is what that's you, a. Oh. I think so. Yeah. And women, they like, put point like they point their toes out or something, or they put one foot in front of the other. Well, you always put one foot in front of the other, John. That's how you keep walking. 
right. you just wake you wake up, you get out of bed, and you put one foot in front of the other, and that's how you live a happy and fulfilling life. But I mean, one of the things he says here, after all, what good is a skyline if it can't be viewed well, or it can only be viewed well in photographs? Well. What does that mean? I mean, if it's if it can be viewed well in a photograph, somebody is taking that picture and they are in a place where it's viewability. Is he saying that it's being taken from a drone? Maybe he's saying it's being taken from a drone or maybe it's being taken from a a hilltop across the river that people don't usually go to because it's on private property or something. You know what I mean? Like, well, I would just say that we can't have everything. Jesus Christ. Look, you're, you're Chicago. It's one of the greatest skies. It may it probably is the best skyline in America. Wait, what? What? Yeah, New York is just too all over the place, and it's it's it's. Have you ever said this before? You think Chicago is the best skyline? What the fuck? What the fuck is happening right now? It's good, man. Fucking Chicago. It's good. New York I feel like is I've so. Never de- heard I'm not you saying. I'm sh- not talking about streetscapes. I'm not talking about urbanness. I'm not talking about you know one you know the cities and what they offer. I'm just talking about the aesthetics of the skyline. Sometimes you have skylines where the buildings are just like. Going back to Charlotte, Charlotte has an incredibly dense skyline. Those buildings are piled on top of one another within like a 10 block area. If Charlotte was just a little more spread out, just slightly more spread out, you could really see every single building. Now, that would hurt the street level presence. It wouldn't be as cool. You wouldn't have that canyon effect. But from a skyline uh perspective it would it would look much better if it was slightly spread out so that's that's how that's where new york gets hurt hmm. because it has all these separate skylines and then they're really dense this makes me think of an issue that i'm having in my home in my kitchen i have this wall with shelves on it and i i installed the shelves so i could have a lot of plants i got really into plants and so I have been jamming these shelves with plants to make it just look like a green wall of foliage, like a jungle. But I've noticed that with the plants all squeezed together, not squeezed together, but, you know, you there's no space to appreciate the overall form of each plant. The plant silhouette, as it were. Right. Because I've decided to create a, a dense jungle. I guess I've created a Charlotte of plants rather than a Chicago of plants. And I've been wondering recently, like, maybe I should break these out a little more so that, so that one plant I can be like, oh, look at those nice shapes and leaves. And then there's a little negative space, right? A little emptiness. And then there's the next plant. Very But sometimes, you know, from a real estate perspective, you just don't have the real estate. You don't have a shelf or you don't have an apartment that's that big. Or the the Hudson River's there, the East River's there. Um the land that where you would like to put this building that would be more aesthetically pleasing is not for sale. So, all right, let's move on. Okay. Brian says, do you consider fog by Carl Sandburg to be a skyline poem? It's the first one I thought of when you first mentioned the idea. Are you familiar with this? I, I mean, I know the, I know the first couplet. It's very famous. Okay. So it was first published in in 1916, Fog, and I will read it for you now. The fog comes on little cat feet. It sits looking over harbor and city on silent haunches and then moves on. That's a solid little poem. That is solid. You like that? Yeah, you like I think that it's one? A skyline. Yeah, it's the skyline, definitely. Well, you can't help but picture a skyline in your mind when you read it, right? 
Sandberg, Carl Sandberg, the poet and songwriter and uh, what was he, a folklorist, the 20th century? He's really set up a little nice little tableau here that you can't help but be looking over the shoulder of the fog as it considers the skyline. Yeah, that's a good skyline poem. John, we turn our attention now from skylines to bumper stickers. Last week, I made the mistake of canceling the bumper sticker diaries. Well, that did not go over well with our listenership. We're still getting submissions, tales from the street about real life encounters or moments of moments of intrigue concerning bumper stickers. John, we're going to start this week's installment of the bumper sticker diaries with a with a missive from Eric, which I found totally vindicating and wonderful, vis-a-vis Hall and Oates and the Pontiac Fiero. John, listen to this. All right. Last week, I had said that I had a memory of, of Hall and Oates being sponsored by Fiero. Why were we talking about Hall and Oates and Fiero? About bumper stickers? Oh, because Gina's husband had a Fiero <laughs> with a bumper sticker that said, cut off your head. I forgot about that. Yeah. And then I started talking about Hall and Oates. Okay. Eric writes in, hi, guys, 100% Daryl Hall and John Oates' Big Bamboom Tour was brought to you by Pontiac Fiero. It was my first concert. My dad worked at a Pontiac dealership, and he got or stole tickets for the entire family. It was at the Rosemont Horizon. My mom wore her garish fox fur coat, and somebody spilled beer on it. Till Tuesday opened. It was a great show. Wham! was my second concert, if you're wondering. Man, Eric, great anticipation there. <laughs> People were smoking pot at that concert, and the opening act was some kind of comedian with a guitar that nobody enjoyed. Hmm. And Eric was kind enough to send me a photo of the Pontiac ad that I remember from my old, from when I was a kid reading Car and Driver magazine and Motor Trend magazine and Road and Track magazine. Back in the day when I thought I was going to become an exotic car designer, that was going to be my job. I was going to go to RISD and design Ferraris. Oh, boy. The dreams I can't of the, believe you were into the cars. thoughts this of youth just... are long, long thoughts, to quote another wonderful poem. What were you saying? Uh, I, I don't really remember ever discussing cars with you. Do you remember? But you, we've talked about this. You remember my Lamborghini yeah. posters? Yeah. yeah. I just knew uh, yeah. you weren't interested in cars. No, still aren't. Okay. So not only have I been vindicated in my Fiero Hollow Notes memory, the day after we got this email from Eric, where he said his first concert with Hall and Oates was Hall and Oates and that Till Tuesday opened. I happened to be uh, eating dinner with a former member of the band Till Tuesday. And I asked this person, I explained the, the huge backstory about Hall and Oates and Fiero. And I said, so you were on that tour? And she was like, yeah, that was the when we supported Hall and Oates. And I said, do you remember anything about, the, about Fiero, Pontiac Fieros? Like, did you get a free... Piero, she was like, no, we were like, we made no money on the tour. We were just on a bus and we were sleeping two to a bed in a hotel. There was no, really? she, there was the, the person I spoke to who used to be until Tuesday had no memory of the Pontiac Fiero uh, thing. John, I'm going to post this wonderful Pontiac Fiero ad to the Patreon so people can look at it. It's really, now it's that really would be a cool thing to have. Look how cool they look. Daryl Hall and John Oates were, I mean, yeah, they were kind of a punchline. Like they're one of those bands where it's easy to make fun of them and then and then when you decide to stop being a little dick and just to get into them and then you hear side one of abandoned luncheonette i mean come on that is a flawless album side i know we've talked about it before but damn those songs are so good and they're so great yeah they were good man hall of notes okay thank you eric thank you for inducing this reverie Jeremy, 
Jeremy writes in, just spotted it. Oh, God, I don't want to read this. <laughs> it's your turn. You pick this one. You got to read it. Just spotted in Nashville, <laughs> Tennessee, of interest to your fellow Midsommar fans. Quote, I love A24 and have huge tits. Okay, so I think we're supposed to assume this is a bumper sticker that he saw, right? Yeah. I love A24 and have huge tits. A24, I think, is the movie studio that distributed that. I don't know if they made it or distributed it. Midsummer, And I don't understand what the second part, how that's relevant or why they fit together. Is A24? I don't know why. It's just people, you know, it was like, what's people like cut off your head silly. bumper stickers? It's just like people are just being silly. You've, exactly, John. They're being silly. Right. Okay. So then he continues. Also, like apparently half of your listeners, I too was in Sullivan Residence Hall during Hurricane Fran. On maybe the ninth floor. This is so crazy. I remember the absolute crazy sound up there, and I remember experiencing breaks which were calm, but I always thought of these as being bands rather than the eye. I'm no weather nerd, but I don't think the eye typically remains well-defined that far inland. Please do keep up the hyper-specific middle-aged NC State student content. It's what I'm here for. Well, Jeremy, thanks for writing it. You know, the last listener who wrote in last week who talked about this, you know, and again, to the people who aren't familiar, this is Hurricane Fran. <laughs> this is a hurricane that- This is the highlight of John's life. It came through North Carolina in 1996. We're, we're, we're coming up on almost 30 years ago that this happened. So I love that there are other people out there that experienced it, remembered it. And this other listener who wrote in said that he-, he remembered experiencing the eye. And I, I didn't really want to jump in and correct him. Um, but yes, Jer- Jeremy obviously did. He wanted to say that he didn't think that they did experience the eye. And he's correct. Fran actually fell apart fairly quickly once it came ashore. In fact, the, they sometimes refer to these hurricanes that fall apart on the back end as half a canes. So that once it came, They shouldn't do that. Well, That's corny. Okay, so it came it came ashore it, it, right at Cape Fear, and then uh, pretty much just made its way up I forty from Wilmington up to Raleigh Durham Chapel Hill. The eye, or the center of where the storm was at that time, actually went very close to RDU Airport. Um, it specifically went exactly where I five forty and I forty intersect right on the Durham-Wake County line. So, yes, you guys would not have experienced the eye, and nobody really would have. But yes, there were huge bands that went through, and Raleigh, being on the right side of the hurricane as it spins, was on the, the side that had the strongest winds. So, that just gave me an opportunity to talk more about, you know, the specifics of that Particular so summer. at this point, we've had three listeners write in who all were living in Sullivan Residence Hall. Or no, two of them have been living in Sullivan Residence Hall. One of them was living at a different dorm on the NC State campus, correct? I think that's, that's right. That's right. But they were they were all high-rise. But they were all high-rise dorms, and they all got to experience Hurricane Fran. Wow, and that's three people. That's not bad. I wonder if there's more out there. Yeah, well, I think, I think hundreds of thousands of people experienced it. Yeah, I guess that's true. Big hurricane like so, that, everybody got a piece. Yeah, something like a million trees fell. Really? Literally a million trees? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. It was good times. My mom and I, I was living, I had moved, I lived in Charlotte, graduated, you know, I lived in Charlotte for a couple of years and I was moving back 
to Raleigh, but I guess my apartment wasn't ready, so I was living with my parents for like four or five months. So I was actually at my parents' house when that happened. My mom and I slept down in the um, the family room just because it seemed like it might be a safer place. Yeah. While it was going on, and then you know we woke up in the morning and looked outside, and you could not see a bit of the ground. The ground was just completely covered in leaves and debris. And um, yeah, I remember we went upstairs and woke my dad up um, because I think somebody from the bank called. You mean the bank where your dad worked? Yeah, and they 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 were like, they said, "Are should we open?" And my dad, having not looked outside and just woken up, was like, "Well, yeah, it's it's not raining." He didn't know yet the extent of Fran's destruction. Yeah, yeah, he thought, "Sure, we should open." And no, that they should not have opened. All right, so you can leave that in or not. <laughs> Jeremy has a PS. He says, does John still do pickups at RDU airport? I go back home pretty yeah, frequently sure. to see my dad who lives in Calvander. Would you pick him up? Uh, definitely. Calvander is an easy, that's easy for you. Yeah. That's, that's, you know, within a mile of where I live. So let's make it that you pick up people at the airport. If they're a Patreon member, not just any old listener who's not contributing to okay. our financial All right, well-being. That's fine. And, and, and dry, I, you know, picking up somebody at the airport and then driving them to Raleigh. That's a big ask, but driving them to Calvander, driving them to Durham, Chapel Hill, you know, some places actually kind of close to the airport. No problem. Contact at electionprofitmakers.com to schedule an airport pickup. I tell you, man, what other podcast does this? You think fucking love it or leave it is picking people up at the airport? I highly doubt it. Jessica writes in, from time to time, I make a bumper sticker for my car and I keep some extras to give out to anyone who compliments it. That's very cool. Isn't that nice? You make a homemade bumper sticker mm -hmm. and then you keep extras on hand in case somebody wants one. Yeah, but you know what? If so, somebody might, it might be like a fake compliment. And then if you know the person and then you give them the bumper sticker. And then they, and then they feel the pressure like, to put, put this it on, on their my head. car. <laughs> Jessica, we don't know if you're, doing, if you're a master manipulator or a sweet person, but it's very exciting. Let me continue reading this letter. Uh, bah, bah, bah. Jessica continues. In Austin, Texas, in the 1990s, I had a bumper sticker that said, Democratic Socialism, yes, please. That's, that's well before Democratic Socialism had its, had its moment in the sun, isn't it? The 90s. Well, you know, in Austin, they like to keep it weird. My husband warned me this bumper sticker was provocative, and indeed, somebody tried to ram me off the highway. Texas. <laughs> I escaped unscathed by taking an exit that was not part of my destination. I went ahead and removed the bumper sticker. Currently, I have two homemade bumper stickers. Celebrate hippie heritage and extinguish socially sanctioned cruelty. What does that one mean? I think it just means don't be an asshole for clout, okay. right? Yeah. Austin seems okay with these bumper stickers. I'd like to add, Jessica concludes, how much I enjoy the podcast. Democratic socialism, yes, please. In the 90s, I would not have known what that meant. And I, I'm not saying I would have tried to ram her off the road, but uh, that's bold. Yeah, that is bold. Yeah, seeing that today, that wouldn't mean so much. I kind of think Texas sucks. You know, I know we're, I'm really starting to think this Greg Abbott and and... I just think it sucks right now in Texas. And you want to know something else? I kind of think Austin sucks. And I know we've been invited to come to Austin. I think somebody kindly invited us to do a show in Austin. But Texas has given me extremely bad vibes, John. It's given me really bad vibes. 
Apologies to all our Texas friends, because I know if I'm hating it, you're probably having your frustrations with your home state as well. But as an outsider... I mean, you know, you can say the same thing about North Carolina. You can say North Carolina sucks. Yeah. It's just, you know, these, these, wherever the geographic lines are drawn, Mm. it's just... Mm. But but you're also saying that Austin sucks. That's that's interesting. Yeah, I think Austin is not the... Is it because, like... Rogan, yeah, just all these, yeah, it just seems like it's getting lame, you know. Like, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure I'll leave that in there. I don't want to alienate any of our Texas listeners. I know they're hurting just like the rest of us, but I'll probably leave it in, you know. And I'll probably leave in this part too, where I'm just kind of like running my mouth and feeling a little, um, what's the word, diffident? What's that word where you're just kind of listless? I'm gonna leave this part in too. We got a letter here from Chris. Well, you know, I'm gonna leave this part in. What's up, Chris? In 2004, Chris writes, I was driving from Rhode Island to North Carolina in my light blue Civic hybrid with a basic John Kerry for President bumper sticker on the back. Looking tough, no doubt. Absolutely looking like a fucking king. As I drove through central Pennsylvania, I passed a young guy in a small pickup truck. A few minutes later, I saw him in my rear view mirror racing back to catch up with me. He pulled alongside me and raised a small 14 by 11 dry erase board where he had handwritten, John Kerry is an ass hat, and so are you for liking him. (laughs) I had to laugh as the joke was on him as I never liked John Kerry. I just really hated George Bush. Check and mate, not owned. Chris, you were owned. You were totally I got to say, that's a very long and involved sentence to write on a right board, on a whiteboard as you're operating a vehicle. What the hell? Yeah, that's A dry true. erase board, you're zipping down the highway f- somewhere between Rhode Island and North Carolina. You see someone with a John Kerry bumper sticker, and then you whip out your dry erase board. And as you're driving, you're probably driving 75 miles an hour. You handwrite, John Kerry is an asshat, and so are you for liking him. Maybe there was another passenger who wrote it. Although this is still much preferable to being rammed off the road or having a gun pulled on you or something. Right. In a way, this is a, the most charming of all of the bumper sticker diaries. Yeah, I like it. I think if we were going to option one entry in the bumper sticker diaries for a prestige limited limited series event, it would be this one. It would be Chris's story. Mm-hmm. John Kerry is an asshat. And so are you for liking. I can't I can't imagine a George Bush supporter using the word asshat though <laughs> something about this story doesn't add up i don't i know it I, is I, I, it's yeah, a little this strange is I'm, ca- I'm calling bullshit on chris chris i there's i don't know what you could offer by way of proof but something about this story doesn't quite add up because it is it's confounding too many of my prejudices and small-mindednesses you know but yeah, I'd like to know where in central Pennsylvania. Mm, yeah. You know, central Pennsylvania, right. they call it Pennsylvania because it's a little more rural, a little more a little more conservative. So, it seems like a place where that might happen, but you're right, asshat. Also just a, the dry writing on a dry erase board while you're driving seems impossible. But maybe I, I've never done it, so maybe it's not that hard. No. I guess you steer with your knees or you or you Prop the well. We don't. We don't need to get into the specifics. Let's just say this, Chris. We're going to be contacting you about optioning, about optioning this story for a Netflix, uh, Netflix, <laughs> a Netflix um series called Mayor of yeah. Bumper Sticker Town. You get that reference, John? You ever heard of a show called Mayor of East Town? 
Okay. Yeah. You have? That's cool. Yeah. Look at Mr. Showbiz over here, John. What other shows have you heard of? Uh, Breaking Bad. That was a good one. Emmy writes in with the subject bumper sticker cowardice. Prior to December 2023, I proudly displayed a Humans Against Ted Cruz bumper sticker. However, I recently started a new job working for a Texas company, and the vibes are pretty pro-Ted. So I removed the bumper sticker on day one because I just want to be left alone by coworkers. Emmy, I feel you on that one. We need to coexist, as many of the bumper stickers around here say. I live in Denver, Emmy continues, and I really only ever got positive feedback on my bumper sticker. I did drive around Texas for a week two years ago with no incidents. Maybe I'll replace it with my new election profit makers listen to the numbers bumper sticker, which I was delighted to receive when I made the best decision of my life, i.e. joining the election profit makers Patreon. Emmy continues, or I add, I will actually tell the truth that I added that last little part. But this part was legit when they said, maybe I'll replace it with my new listen to the numbers bumper sticker. Not really a bumper sticker. I shouldn't say that. I'll add yeah, this part. So just yeah, a right, sticker, right. but it can be a it, bumper sticker. I guess sticker. it could be a bumper sticker. It's a sticker. Yeah. And a sti- it's a sticker that, hmm, I guess any sticker placed on a bumper is a bumper sticker. Is that true? Mm. Anyway, let's continue. Emmy says, my boyfriend wants to know if you're into the survive and advance 30 for 30. He says he'd like David to direct the updated 41 year anniversary episode. I have no idea what the hell they're talking about. Survive and advance 30 for 30. 41 year anniversary. It's about NC State. I'm what? NC State Cinderella run to the national championship. Oh, is this with Jimmy V, um, Coach Valvano? Yeah. With, 83 when yeah, they won Jim on the Valvano last second shot. Cardiac pack. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so, I haven't survive seen it. in advance 30 for 30. 30 for 30 is the, e- the um, ESPN uh, documentary. Yeah. Okay, I'm locked in, Emmy. I know what you're talking about. I am directing that. I've already directed it. It's in post-production right now. I can't believe I've totally just spaced on what that project was. Right. But it's going to be really good. It's going to be a great episode. That was exciting when State won. Oh, man. That was more... I have to say, John, that was more exciting than the 82. I mean, but have there ever been two NCAA championship games whose final seconds have... Back-to-back games, you know, year after year where the final seconds have been... It's so exciting. Do you you understand what I'm trying to say? Maybe, maybe. But yeah, those two go down uh, as as two of the most iconic. 82 and then one year later, 83. Two North Carolina, two North Carolina public universities right down the road from each other. God damn. Yeah. Humans against Ted Cruz. That was the bumper sticker Amy took off her car in an act of bumper sticker cowardice. Her words, not mine. All right. One final bumper sticker diary entry, and this is the one that reminds us why we got in this game in the first place, John. Read this one from Norris. This this is answered a true mystery. Norris writes, I imagine I could be one of literal tens of people sending this email, but aging and dying is a role in the wardrobe department on film and TV sets. Because last week we were talking about people who had been spotting this bumper sticker that said, I love aging and dying. And John thought it was probably a hospice worker. And I said it was probably just somebody being weird and ironic. So it makes it so Norris continues. My friend is a union ager and dyer. He's got a kit full of writ dyes to make clothes look old and worn in consistent ways or often getting worse over the course of a story. 
So it's both an edgy bumper sticker and also a real job. This must be the best bumper sticker currently going on the highways and byways of the United States. I love aging and dying. You encounter it, you think it's edgy and weird, and then you realize it's actually a cheeky proclamation of how much you enjoy your job, which is professionally aging and dying clothes for film. This is the number one bumper sticker in America right now. I love aging and dying. I almost want to get one. I w- actually, what I really want is a shirt that says, I love aging and dying. I'm surprised that you have not. So that we had two people that wrote in about this bumper sticker, one from Minneapolis and one from Chapel Hill, not two hotbeds of film production in my mind. Mm, mm-hmm. um, you would think that you would see this in L.A. I've never seen this in L.A. Or Vancouver. Right. I love aging and dying. But then if you wear it in L.A., people will be like, oh, what what uh, wardrobe? What are you working on? Are you working on Bridgerton? Oh, yeah. And you'd be right. like, no, it's I don't. I'm, I'm not wearing it for the clothes part. I'm wearing it because I truly love aging. Right. And I can only imagine I'm going to love dying <laughs> when everything gets nice <laughs> and quiet. <laughs> All, right. All right. Let's do the credits. On that note, let's do the credits. Election Profit Makers is an independent production. We welcome your support on Patreon at patreon.com slash electionprofitmakers. If you sign up for Patreon, you'll receive some wonderful EPM stickers in the mail. You'll also get an invite to our private Discord. Send your election prediction questions, skyline requests, bird recordings to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. And if you want to advertise with us, email contact at electionprofitmakers.com. Have a terrific week. Bye.